It's time for Horrenda's Agenda, Bill's reflections on sports and life. Today's guest has taken two different NBA teams to the playoffs in his initial campaign with each franchise. This past season, he led the Orlando Magic to the playoffs, falling the opening round for the eventual world champion Toronto Raptors, and Hubie Brown calls him, quote, one of the great teachers in our game. Head coach of the Orlando Magic, Steve Clifford, welcome back to Horrendous Agenda. Hey, man, great to be back with you. Absolutely. Now, coach, you led the Magic to the playoffs, but also to a top 10 defensive rating this past season from 20th before your arrival. With time to reflect on last season, what strengths do you want to amplify with this squad, and where would you like to see improvement? Well, you know, what we were good at uh, – were really the start of our defense. You know, we were a top five team in transition, top eight team in transition, and then we were a top three rebounding team. So the start of possessions were good, um, and we finished possessions well. Uh, in the half court, we had some real strengths. Um, to be honest, a lot of our uh, areas of weakness that we have to do better with simply are controlling the ball. You know, our one-on-one defense, um, some of our health decisions, um, which, as you know, that leads into, in this league, that leads into your pick-and-roll efficiency, too. But, um, you know, we were, we were a good defensive team. We have great length, and we have the potential to be really a lockdown team at that end of the floor this year. Hey, Coach, let's talk about culture and turnarounds. You said, I believe, chemistry doesn't happen by accident. You were plus 17 wins last season with Orlando in your first season. Your first year in Charlotte, you were plus 22. I know this is a difficult question to answer, but how do you turn things around? Um, Well, really, a much different situation because one of the things that happened in Charlotte was uh, we we signed a big-time free agent that summer in Al Jefferson who, you know, was third-team All-NBA that year. And then uh, before I got there, I think right at the trade deadline the year before, they had picked up Josh McRoberts, who was really our third best player. Um, so there, a lot of it was just personnel. You know, we had better a better team. And Kemba Walker was, a, you know, an up-and-coming player. I think here what happened, to be honest, is um, we, we were healthier than they had been. Um, guys got older. And, you know, the biggest thing that we possess here, which is critical in this league, is we have great positional size and versatility. Now, Jeff Waltman and John Hammond, that's their philosophy. That's what wins in the NBA. Um, so, you know, we played good defense largely because we have really good defensive personnel. And let's talk about personnel. You guys retained key players, so that must certainly feel like a boon uh, for the Magic in year two with you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we um, we have a number of guys who, uh, you know, are attractive for, for other teams, um, and we are fortunate to get them back. You know, Nick Vucevic, uh, who was an all-star this year for the first time, and you know, it's 21 and 12 and a half, which obviously is a terrific year. Uh, Terrence Ross, who, you know, I didn't get in the top four 
for six men of the year, but I got to think that he would have been the next guy, uh, which just absolutely lights out for us off the bench. And then the other guy that we picked up late in the year uh, that we brought back was Michael Carter-Williams, who had a big impact on our team. And then we're also very fortunate in that Kim Birch, who just played for Canada in the World Cup, uh, played very well for us, and he's coming back also. A record 54 current NBA players are playing uh, in the World Cup. You have four of them, Birch, Fournier, Vucevic, El Farouk Aminu. I know how important training camp is for you. How does that impact uh, the team's preparation for the season and specifically training camp? I think it's a, I think it's a big plus. Uh, I think it's a huge advantage to have four guys playing. Uh, I think their games will be more in rhythm. I think they'll be in great shape. And my experiences have been that the guys that uh, that play in the summer and get that kind of conditioning level and, and, and level of basketball play, uh, it puts them well on the way to having a to having a big year. Um, you know, look, you know, they're playing a lot, but all of our guys are here now. You know, they they're playing pickup every day, so they're doing stuff too. But uh, I just think, like, uh, it gives them such a jump start into the season, and and uh, I'm happy that all of them are doing that. How about your depth at point guard position, DJ Augustine, 3.3 assisted turnover ratio last season? And then, of course, uh, we've got to ask about Markel Fultz and what the expectations are for him this season. Yeah, well, DJ had a great year. I think he was uh, – uh, you know, I believe, you know, one of the top, uh, as you said, assisted turnover ratio of starting point guards in the NBA, shot 42% from three. He's a pro. You know, he's highly competitive, very skilled, great basketball IQ, uh, and he knows the league inside and out. And then Michael Carter-Williams, who's back, is, uh, you know, gave us a great shot in the arm, just, you know, picked our pace up, helped us a great deal defensively, you know, and he lives in the paint. Um, you know, Markell is, is uh, working, doing fine. Uh, we have no timetable for him. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, he's doing everything that he can, and then, well, you know, it's just day-to-day, and we'll see how it goes. I heard Bob Weiss talk about this, who was on your staff and, of course, a journeyman NBA coach. You know, the fundamentals of young players may not always be where you'd like them to be, but Bob Weiss once said they can play. So I'd like to ask you, it sounds contradictory, maybe fundamentals lacking a bit, but they have oodles of talent. So how do you reconcile teaching fundamentals to these young players who have incredible raw talent to get them to next-level production? Yeah, see, to me, I think the younger players now are bigger – you know, more athletic, and their individual skill packages are exceptional. The shooting, the ball handling. I think where they're not as good as they were even six, seven, eight years ago coming into this league is they don't have as good an understanding of how to play basketball. Um, And for the most part, because they're coming at such a young age, is they don't always – uh, grasp team concepts as quickly as they used to. You know, when I first got in the NBA, this will be year 20 for me, I mean, the majority of guys were staying at least two, three years. And 
you know, when you're playing for some of the great coaches, um, you know, two, three years, you're going to learn a lot. Now, guys are still playing for those same great coaches, but they're leaving in, you know, eight, nine months. And they don't have the base uh, of preparation that they used to have. So I think if you talk to most people in the NBA, that's the general consensus. Better individual, you know, skill package, um, not as good understanding of how to play the team game. With all the noise, analytics, the number of coaches on NBA staffs, personal skills coaches and trainers that players work with, and the off-the-court stuff, including social media, how difficult is it to distill information to your players to prepare them to succeed? I, I think that may be the biggest challenge, uh, to be honest with you. I, I think that, uh, you know, regardless of what level that you coach at, um, you know, there are always, uh, you know, whatever, messaging that you have to overcome. You know, your high school coach, unfortunately, a lot of times it's the parents. When you're in college, a lot of times it's the AAU coach or even the high school coach, unfortunately, or the family. And then you get to this level where all of these guys have been stars and many of them are asked to play lesser roles or play a little bit differently. Um, And they're getting messaging from everybody, from their agents to their friends to their family of why, in many ways, the situation isn't as good for them. So I think establishing a good good player-coach relationship and having constant communication about, you know, how they should play, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and how they need to play so that they're playing well and the team can function when they're on the floor is maybe the biggest key of all of it. Jonathan Isaac was interviewed by Alex Kennedy for Hoops Height, and this is what he said in part, quote, tasting the playoffs made us hungrier, being able to do that in our first year under Coach Cliff only speaks to where we're headed. We finished eighth in defense, and we're looking to take that to the next level. How gratifying is it to see that your message is sticking with players? Because I'm sure the defensive rating is something you've emphasized with these guys. Yeah, I mean, you know what? What we really talk about all the time is balance. Um, you know, if you look at the teams that play well in the playoffs every year, it's usually top 10 in at least one category, offense or defense, and, and sometimes both. And um, Jonathan has had, uh, you know, we've had a lot of guys who I feel have had really good summers, none better than him. Uh, he's been in here. He's worked. Uh, he had a great experience on the select team playing against USA Basketball for a week in Vegas. And uh, he's made, I, I think, really good strides this summer, and he's ready, ready to have a terrific year. And you mentioned earlier positional size and versatility. You know, guys like Aaron Gordon, Wesley Wundu, and, and Mo Bamba, how do you see their development vis-a-vis positional size and versatility? Well, no, I, I think all of those guys fit well um, into, again, the ability to guard different positions, and you can switch a lot when they're out on the floor. Um I think that's a big part of it. The other part of it, and I think Aaron Gordon's another guy who's had a great summer, is the two-way player. You know, um, 
in a world now where everybody or a lot of people have the ability to play five out, um, you know, you have to have guys that can play both offense and defense. Um, most of the good teams really force you to close to the three-point line on almost every perimeter catch, and they create space for penetration or cuts or whatever by doing that. Uh, so you need guys that can both, you know, defend positional size, like I said, and then the guys that get you over the top are the guys that can play offense also. Earl Watson was on Joy Taylor's podcast, uh, Joy Taylor of FS1, and said this about playing for UB Brown back in the day with the Grizzlies. Quote, UB told him, this is Bia Watson, 10 of you are going to love me, three are going to hate me, all of you are going to learn to be men of character and play in the NBA 10-plus years. So how important is it to try to maintain uh, positivity systemically throughout your roster, especially with the guys who may not be happy with their current minutes? How do you manage the end of the bench, so to speak? Yeah, I think uh, honest, direct, transparent communication. And, you know, there's two parts of this is, you know, one, when you play 82 games, most years almost everybody's going to get a good chance to play. You know, injuries, travel, um, sickness, whatever it is, most guys – uh, are going to get a chance. And most of the guys that have been in the league uh, for any period of time, they know that. So the guys who understand the league, uh, when they're not playing as much as they want to, they know it's critical for them to, you know, stay on top of their game. And uh, But I think, again, like in any, in any sport, uh, you know, you have to have the ability to, you know, communicate with everybody. And uh, you can't just, uh, you know, coach the guys who are easy to coach. Um, and you can't just have messaging for guys who are easy to talk to. You've got to have, you know, a, a way to communicate with everyone. We know you're a big reader uh, and the summer's wrapping up, but is uh, any reading recommendations on success, leadership, uh, that you jumped into this summer that, that you would recommend? Yeah, the two books that I liked that I that I, I well three actually I read the I read the Ian O'Connor book on Belichick which was terrific, and then uh, Team of Teams, uh, which is a is a great book uh, uh, with a uh, you know just look at complexity of of how leadership has changed in today's world, and then uh, I read the la- the latest Brene Brown uh, book Dear to Lead which is also a great book. So uh, all of them, all three of them, there are uh, messages in there that, that we'll use the first night when we have our team meeting. Excellent. And UB Brown wasn't guilty of hyperbole calling Steve Clifford one of the great teachers in our game. Coach, I know I speak for many when I say I become smarter just listening to you, whether it's comments after practices, shoot-arounds, games, and this chat, no exception. Thank you for a return visit to Horrendous Agenda. Man, I, hey, I appreciate it, and anytime, anytime. Uh, absolutely, Coach. You know what they say, Oscar Wilde said, some people cause pleasure wherever they go, others whenever they go. I'm trying to hang with you in the former <laughs> category. It's not easy, let me tell you. It is, 
<laughs> it's not easy. But, uh, again, Coach, good luck this season, and we'll definitely check back in with you later on down the road. Okay. Hey, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. You can follow Bill on Twitter at Bill Horenda.